Praise God. Brother Bob Sorge, where are you? Oh, there you are. You're walking around. Yeah, work your way up here. Um, Bob has been a friend of ours. I, I know the first time you were here was May of 1996. Um, you like that? Uh, you came to Rejoice 96, and that was the first time he had been in this location. He was actually at the Warren County Fairgrounds, and then since then, uh, traveled a lot with, with Dale, and I'm not sure, maybe some others from here went with you different places. Bob has authored so many books, maybe 30? Not yet, so he's, we'll put a little pressure on him. We need to get to 30, because I just said that. And then uh, he is a, a speaker all over America, but really internationally uh, the influence that he's had internationally is huge if you were to go to Singapore Philippines South Korea and say hey I'm a friend of Bob Sorge you'd get a good ride in the car uh, he's very very much going on over there and and so and also his books are back there he'll probably mention them they're at the table back there uh, even as we're worshiping here today I was thinking Bob was actually Bob was for three years my pastor I went to his church for three years um, and but he literally was he literally wrote the book on worship. Uh, the early first version of Exploring Worship was like the worship textbook. So if you're in a church that's worshiping today with, with a little bit of expressive worship, he was really the guy who put it in writing and helped formulate it for all the things coming on now. Um, let me just pray for you and I'll just turn you, turn you loose. So Father, thank you so much for our time together. Thank you for friendships. And uh, thank you for decades-long friendship, Lord. We don't take that lightly. Uh, we don't want to, we thank you that we're just not a, a one-timer hireling, that we're true friends. And we thank you for that. Uh, be with Brother Bob as he speaks today and, and have uh, touch our hearts in mighty and powerful ways. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Amen. All you, man. Praise God. And it, it's actually not cold in here. So those of you sitting in the sun, if you can't hear, please, there's, you know, 20 feet up here. So you're welcome to come. Don't sit there and just look at him. Um, come up closer if you need to hear him. If you're in the sunshine and you can hear, bask in the sunshine. If you're out there and you can't hear, come on in. So you're welcome to. And even in the middle, don't feel too awkward. Just come on up. There's plenty of room. We want to make sure everybody can hear. I suffered an injury to my voice 20 
ready for it to be right now. In fact, we are looking for Jesus to do miracles in this place today. So just have your heart wide open for a miracle today. When uh, the voice shut down, the writing opened up and uh, I didn't plan it that way, but God's just led me to write a bunch of books. And now I don't have a book on today's message. God gave me a message just for us, but I've got four books that come close. In his face, a prophetic call to renewed focus, the chastening of the Lord, the forgotten doctrine, the fire of delayed answers, and pain, perplexity, and promotion, a book on Job. Uh, so there's a table back there. We have a four book special. You can get four books at a fantastic special. So you're welcome to check it out. Pastor Rick, I'm giving this set to you, my friend. YouTube 
over my message is interrupted blessings. Has anybody ever had an interruption in your life? Blessings are moving along and then here comes the interruption. And uh, Job's life had this massive interruption, a very blessed man who suddenly is facing this huge interruption in his life. And one of the ways that I love to look at the book of Job is like a theater. I imagine the book like a theater. There's five guys in the theater. Job, Eliphaz, Bildad, Zophar, and Elihu. And there, you and I are in the balcony watching this theater and God gives to us the full script. So we know the backstory. We know how it starts. We know how it ends. We have the full story in front in our hands and we're watching them and they have none of the story. They have no idea what's happening. We know everything that's happening and we're watching them duke it out. And we know the whole story. And I just want to talk to these guys on the platform in the theater, and I just want to say to them, oh, come on. You don't believe that. Don't, don't even try to say that. You know God better than that. And I want to try to talk to them. And I want to talk to Job, like, come on. Job, stay with this thing. I know where it's going to go. Job, don't you understand? God's turning you into a general in the kingdom. He's interrupted your life. Yes, Satan has an agenda for your life, but God's got a purpose for this thing. And he wants to write a fantastic story with your life. Job, by the time this story is finished, your life will be the first signpost in Scripture to the cross of Jesus Christ. Job, your story is going to become the first book of the Bible. Your life is actually going to become the cornerstone for all of Scripture. You're going to have an influence in every generation. You're going to get double your wealth back. You're going to get healed. You're going to get the first book of the Bible. You're going to get a revelation of God. God's going to get you up to heaven and you're going to see God with your eyes. And I just want to talk to Job about Job. Come on. Do you understand where this thing's going? Because I've got the whole story in front of me and he doesn't. And then, it's my turn on the theater. And here I am, now that it's my turn, oh no, th th this one's different. This time it's different because it's me. And the angels are looking at me now, because they've got the whole script. And they're looking at me, Jane, and they're going, Come on. Do you understand what God's doing in this thing?
God has a purpose in the interruptions of our life to take us into his fuller purposes. He wants to write a nail-biting thriller with your life too. Blessings, interruptions, so that he can bless you even more. Your heavenly Father wants to bless you so much. He wants to give you the universe. He's giving you the universe. He wants to make you so rich. But here's something he knows. If he gives us in uninterrupted blessings, uh, we don't do so good with that. Uninterrupted blessings make us soft, comfortable, lazy, flabby. And he's like, I love you too much to leave you in your comfort zone. I want to bless you so much that I'm going to interrupt in your life. So I've got some good news for every person in this room today. God is not going to leave you alone. Yes, he's going to bless you. But then along comes an interruption because he wants to bless you even more. I'm going to illustrate this with a few different ways this morning. First of all, the nation of Moab. Jeremiah 48 verse 11 says this, Moab has been at ease from his youth. He has settled on his tracks and has not been emptied from vessel to vessel, nor has he gone into captivity. Therefore his taste remained in him, and his scent has not changed. So God speaking of the judgment coming to the nation of Moab, and he said, they were so settled. He likens the nation of Moab to a vat of wine. And in the winemaking process, they will pour the wine from this vessel into this vessel to get it off the dregs. Because if you just leave it in this vessel, the wine will become bitter over time. And so the winemaking process requires pouring it off the dregs into another vessel. But Moab had never been poured from vessel to vessel. They had just sat there and gotten bitter before God. Nations have a fragrance before God, a scent. Did you know that America smells to God? I don't know what it smells like, but every nation has a scent. Every church has a scent before God. Every family 
ascent before God. Every individual. What's the fragrance of my life? And sometimes God will come to us and he'll go, you're too settled. You've been in the same church, in the same job, living in the same house, in the same city, with the same friends for too long. And he'll pour you from one vessel to another, interrupting your blessed life. Because he wants to bring greater blessings to your life. <clears throat> there are two ways that God renews his people. Through glory and through trouble. Now, I love it when God sends his glory to the church.
Now, an oyster can usually, kind of like a mouthwash, they can kind of clean themselves out, but sometimes a particle, a piece of shell, a piece of sand will get lodged inside the oyster, and the oyster can't get rid of it. And so it will form a substance called nacre, that's the name of the substance, it forms a nacre around that substance, produces an oyster nice and smooth so that that rough particle is no longer irritating the oyster. Pearl is the valuable substance that is formed in the presence of hardship. And God will use hardship in our lives to do precious, eternal things in us. There's only one way into the eternal city, through Pearl. The hardship that you're in right now is actually enabling you to enter into your eternal inheritance. It's that valuable to God. A blessed life is not a trial-free life. We think of the blessed life like, okay, my finances finally comes together. My family, it finally came together. Everybody's healthy. It's finally come together. I'm now enjoying the Christian life. A trial-free life is not the blessed life. The blessed life is a life that goes through struggle, through interruption, through hardship, comes through it, overcoming in the power of the Spirit, and has eternal treasure to present to the Lord, and they stand in the presence of God as overcomers. The blessed life is the pressed life. The blessed life comes through hardship and struggle, overcoming. Jesus said, Blessed are the poor. Poverty is not a blessing. But poverty will make you desperate for God. And it's the poor that go, God, I need you. I've got to touch you. I've got to have you. And when you seek God with all your heart, the scripture says, he rewards those that seek him. The rich rarely seek God. The rich really don't need God. It's the poor that realize I need help from Almighty God. Blessed are the poor. Jesus said, blessed are those that are persecuted for righteousness sake. Persecution is not a blessing.
Christie, when we endure persecution and go after God and say, God, I need your help in this thing right now, he turns it into a blessing. He redeems the interruptions of our lives and makes them a blessing. God's not going to leave you alone. He's after us. I live in Kansas City now. And uh, Rick, when we moved to Kansas City, now Kansas City is right around the latitude of Washington, D.C. It's south of us here. And I'm just going to tell you where we live in Kansas City. I own what the Lord's provided for us, a three-acre plot, a wooded three acres of, of woods and underbrush. I have declared war on my three acres. The underbrush is always trying to conquer my yard. I, I don't know what it's like here in, in Russell, but I'm telling you, you go a little bit south from here, the trees, the underbrush, the weeds, every year is a war zone. If I leave my yard alone, it's over. I can never leave my yard alone. I am after those weeds all the time. God is not going to leave you alone. He's, he's coming after those weeds. I'm going to tell you a New York story. This was when we lived up in, uh, in Rochester. I always planted tomatoes every summer. I'm a t fresh tomato freak. I just love fresh tomatoes. So we had this garden in our yard, and it was just all tomatoes. That's all I grew, just about three dozen tomato plants. And I remember this one here. I give them all the same treatment, the same fertilizer, the same everything. And there was this one plant that was like, wow, look at the thing. I swear, it maybe had some kind of a super fertilizer under it because the thing was growing faster than all the other tomato plants. It was greener than all the other tomato plants. It had more blossoms than all my other tomato plants. And I'm like, oh my goodness, what is going on with this tomato plant? I was so fascinated by it that I decided to leave it alone. What will happen to this gorgeous tomato plant if I just let it go? All the other tomato plants, I pruned them. Pulled off the yellow leaves, cut off all the sap, you know, things that were sapping it. I pruned every other tomato plant, and I left my super plant alone. It grew all these branches. They went over the cages. They went back. They were touching the ground. And I'm like, whoa, what a fantastic plant. Guess how many tomatoes I got that season off my super plant? Not 
branches and no fruit. And the ugly plant right next to it, big luscious tomatoes because I pruned it. God is not going to leave you alone. That's, that somebody should be clapping or shouting or... <laughs> Rich, I should not have to tell you when to shout. I need a holler here a little. God will not leave you alone. He is going to interrupt our lives. He's going to prune in our lives. God's not trying to make you look good. He's trying to make you fruitful. And when you've been pruned by God, you don't even want to go to church. You're like, oh man, I, 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 I remember when God pruned in my life, I was like, Lord, do not tell a soul that I'm a Christian right now because I am, I look so bad. I'm such horrible advertising for you. When you're, when you've been pruned by God, when he's interrupted in your life, you're like, God, I'm such a mess right now. I just don't even want to go to church. So, okay, I know that I have to, I can't forsake the assembling of those believers. Okay, I'm going to go to church, but I'm going to, I'm going to sneak in the back and sit in the back corner. And you just happen to sit next to Susie Summer. Susie Summer is in the middle of her summer. She is full of the joy of the Lord. She is more than a conqueror. She, she is the head and not the tail. She is blessed. She has got a... Jesus came to give her life and life more abundantly. And Susie Summer, when they start the praise service, she has rocket boosters on her shoes and she starts to levitate in the worship service. There goes Susie Summer. She's got she's she's got flags and banners she's got a tambourine in her hand she's blowing bubbles she brought a hula hoop and you stand next to her with your stubby little branch quivering in the wind because god has just pruned you and you're like oh my goodness can I move my chair somewhere else? And just about the time that you're going to move your chair to the other side of the building, she grabs your hand and starts dancing in circles. Sometimes when God interrupts our lives, we don't look that good. But I want to say, if you will endure, because the angels know the script. They know what God's doing in your life. And they're going, stay with this thing. God's crafting a story. And he's going to bring you through. Yes, this is an interruption in your blessings. But he's going to pour eternal blessings on your life. Hold to his hand. And he is going to bring you through to the greatest blessings you could imagine. Thank <clears throat>
can do a Google search on this. There's a thing in Arizona called the biosphere. It's this scientific experiment in the middle of the desert of Arizona, half globes, where they do a variety of experiments, and uh, they have this artificial atmosphere inside. It's kind of like this, except it's totally enclosed, and they can control all the conditions. And somebody goes, let's try growing fruit trees inside this sphere. They gave it perfect light, perfect temperatures, perfect fertilizer, perfect moisture. These fruit trees grew in ideal circumstances. And they're like, what's gonna happen? Sure enough, these trees produced all kinds of fruit with one problem. The branches were breaking. Here's why. There was no wind inside that artificial atmosphere. Trees need wind to keep them flexible so that they can support the fruit of a growing season. Without wind in your life, you become settled, you become brittle, and he comes to interrupt. He just brings a storm to interrupt your life so that you become flexible to support the fruit of the next season. I was on an airplane one time coming from uh, some international destination and they had a, a, a documentary on the flight on winemaking and so I'm watching this documentary and the documentary was talking about how they produce a vintage wine. A vintage wine is a wine that is unusually spectacular because of its flavor. And they come along only every once in a while. And when you have a year of a vintage wine, people will talk about it for years. They're like, you gotta get yourself a bottle from 2008. Cause 2008 was spectacular. You're gonna pay for it. But if you can get a bottle from 2008, it's a vintage wine. And I'm like, okay, how do you make a vintage wine? In my, as a novice, I'm like this. You make a vintage wine with lots of sunlight, lots of moisture, warm temperatures, perfect growing conditions, and you've got a vintage wine. And they said, no, actually the opposite. A vintage wine will come from a season that's hard. Too much sun, not enough sun. Too cold, too much rain, not enough rain. And when the vineyard is stressed by 
difficult circumstances, it's when the vines are stressed and they have to work extra hard that they will produce a vintage wine. And they said, when there's a drought, the farmers do not irrigate their vines. And I'm like, that's exactly the time to irrigate your vineyard. There's no rain. And they go, no. If we irrigate our vineyard when there's no rain, the roots of the plants will return to the surface to capture the surface moisture. We intentionally stress the vines by withholding irrigation so that the roots have only one direction to go. And now, under stress, those vines are pushing roots down deeper than they've ever had to because they're desperate for moisture. And in the push for moisture, those roots start to touch soil that has never been touched by a root before, going where no root has gone before. And now, touching untouched minerals and nutrients, that's where you get a vintage wine. They said it like this, stressed vines produce vintage wines. He loves you enough to interrupt your life because if he doesn't interrupt your blessed life, we get soft and settled and he'll pour you from this vessel to this vessel and he will withhold the rain in order to make you desperate to put down roots into God deeper than you ever have in all your life. And my friends, if you will sink the roots of your soul, of your soul into his word and into his spirit, he will produce a vintage wine from this trial that you think my life is over. Everything is shut down. I don't know what I'm going to do. And he's like, I've got a story I'm writing here. The angels are cheering you on right now. They've got the whole script. They know where God's going to take you in this thing. And they're just saying, stay in the war. Go after God. Press into him and he will enrich your life. You will come through this and by the time the interruption is finished, you will be blessed in dimensions that you never anticipated. I'm telling you, he really wants to bless your life. And he 
interrupts our lives because he wants to bless us so much. I believe in praying dangerous prayers. Hannah prayed a dangerous prayer. You remember, remember the story of Hannah? She goes, God, if you'll give me a baby boy, I'll, I'll, I'll give him back to you. That's a crazy prayer. No woman in her right mind will ever pray that kind of a crazy prayer unless she's desperate enough. And God, God, Samuel, out of a desperate prayer from Hannah. Job prayed a desperate prayer. I believe that Job's trial was the result of a desperate prayer. Job 12, verse 4. Job goes, I am one mocked by his friends who called on God and he answered him. The just and blameless who is ridiculed. Job's going, I called on God. I asked him for something. He's answered my prayer. Nobody understands. And now everyone ridicules me. Job prayed a dangerous prayer. We don't know what he asked for. I've got some theories on it. I think it, <coughs> I think it involved his family. But he's asking God for something dangerous. And God interrupted his life because he prayed a dangerous prayer. I'm going to tell you now the dangerous prayer to pray. Are you ready to hear it? Do not ask God for interruptions. Do not ask God for pruning. Do not ask God for a winter season. Ask Him for blessings. Ask Him for more of Jesus. He knows how to prune. He knows how to send blessing, how to send winter and pruning into our lives. Ask Him for His favor and His blessing. But there is a dangerous prayer to pray. And I'm about to give it, I want you to write it down, my friend. He's got a notebook and a pen right here. Here's the dangerous prayer. Whatever it takes. It's a dangerous prayer. Whatever it takes. God, I've got to have more of you. I've, Jesus, I've got to see you. I've got to lay hold of you. Whatever it takes, Lord, for my family. It's a dangerous prayer because it's giving God carte blanche to say, Lord, whatever you need to do, interrupt if you must. But I'm asking, give me more of Jesus. I want the kingdom in my family. I want the kingdom of God in my life. And I invite you today to pray a dangerous prayer. God, whatever it takes. I know that you want to bless me, and I know if any interruption comes along my way, it's because you want to take me onto a journey with you where you bless me beyond all that I can even ask or imagine. Uninterrupted blessings. We're not so good with that. He'll bless you. He'll interrupt so that he can take you into even greater blessings.
are going to give an opportunity for prayer and response. I just want to tell one final story. I was, earlier this year, I was in Texas, El Paso, Texas, actually, and I'm at a church. This was back in January before the coronavirus thing hit. And the, uh, I'm in the green room of the church, and there's a sister there that she doesn't know about my voice, and she's interested, and so she's asking me questions, and, and she asked me, she said, uh, do you have pain when you talk? And I said to her, every word has been painful for 28 years. She got this look of compassion on her face. And she goes, oh, I'm sorry. You know what I said to her? I said, God has never apologized to me for this. If you look in the Bible, he never apologizes for the interruptions that he brings in our lives. Never. Job, why should I apologize to you for your horrific trial? When I'm going to make of your life the first book of the Bible, I'm going to make you a signpost to the cross. I'm going to give you a spiritual inheritance in every generation. I'm going to give you double your wealth. I'm going to heal you. I'm going to raise you up. You are going to see me with your eyes. You are going to be a general in the faith for all generations. Job, why should I apologize to you for this blessing? Joseph, why should I apologize to you for putting you in an Egyptian prison for 10 years? Why should I apologize to you for this when I'm going to bring you from this prison, put you in the palace, I'm going to make you a feeder of nations, and you will provide for your whole family in the land of Goshen. I'm just not apologizing for this. Jesus, why should I apologize to you for your cross? Horrific torment on a cross, and the Father has never apologized to Jesus for this. Why should I apologize to you when I'm going to use your cross to redeem the whole world to my heart? He's never going to apologize for the interruption he designs in your life because he said, I've got a holy purpose in this. I am not going to leave you alone. I'm not going to let you sit on your dregs and become bitter. I'm going to pour you from this vessel to this vessel. I'm going to force you to put down roots deeper into my spirit to bring a vintage wine from your life because I want to bless you. And the angels are looking at 
the script of your story and they're saying to you today come on stay in this thing God's got something good for you lay hold of his promise stay in his word give him your love stay in the thing and he will finish what he has started with your life and will bring you through this interruption to blessings that are he can bless you more than you can even ask or imagine and the angels are cheering you on <clears throat> I'm gonna ask if our worship team would come and lead us in a song that just expresses our response to the Lord today and here's what I want to invite you to do I invite you to give your response to the Lord. You can do it right where you're sitting if you want, or you're welcome if you want to. I wanna make the opportunity for anyone that would like to come and stand or kneel here in this front area. We've got lots of room up here. We can honor social distancing today. Uh, if you want to respond while this song is being sung, there's a place for you to pray. Listen. This is a house of prayer. It's a place to talk to God. And before you leave this morning, talk to God. Open your heart to Him and say, Lord, I don't understand this interruption. It feels like everything in my life is coming apart. But I'm trusting myself to your goodness and I believe now there's faith faith believes in the goodness of God even when circumstances are telling us everything is bad everything is wrong I invite you to stretch your faith give your love to him and say to the Lord today I'm in this thing to the end. I'm going to lay hold of your promises. I'm going to lay hold of your word until you bring me through this interruption. Somebody today is ready to pray the dangerous prayer. Whatever it takes for my heart to be wholly, completely yours. Jesus, right the story your way give him your heart stay where you are if you want come forward if you want to make a place of prayer here today but before you leave talk to god god bless you